0: What's up, and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You are listening to episode 87, and I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler. How are you guys doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. I mean, the wings are now out of the playoffs, of which we all knew was going to happen. But I'm pretty satisfied to see what they did at the deadline, which I'm sure we will get into as this podcast goes on. But Ryan, how are you doing tonight? Wait, wait we're talking about the
2: deadline today? That's so weird. <laughs> no. Did that happen? That's, crazy. That's insane. No, happened.
1: There was only like yeah. you know, 75 trades or whatever the fuck it was.
2: Oh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was 35. Oh, I, I,
1: I, was, I was exaggerating, but there was more than than usual.
2: Uh, anyways, I, I'm, I'm quite content for how the day played out. Uh, I'm sitting here just kind of going through it. I realized that uh, having a new job on trade deadline day is the absolute worst because I could follow, but not really. So I'm still playing a little bit of catch up, but was able to see Stevie's presser and a lot of things that we'll kind of delve into here.
0: Did you just make up a word, delve?
2: I said delve, didn't I? You I meant to say dwell.
0: <laughs> I think you meant to say delve.
2: That's, That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Hey-oh. Yeah, my so sturg- my sturgled from earlier
0: what well. Yeah, Ryan made up a new word uh, sturgled
2: Yeah, you know spell check was non-existent earlier today. I didn't really
0: but yeah, I I'm lucky enough to have a job where I am Consistently on the computer so I can follow trade deadline. And you might notice. I also have a wonderful new microphone. That sounds fantastic so uh, Yeah, today we've got quite a bit to go over 35 trades We're not
2: covering every one of those, don't worry. Yeah,
0: no, which I think set a trade deadline record. I think the record was 2010 with 34. I guess uh, last week Bob McKenzie made some kind of comment saying that it could be kind of a a downer of a a deadline, kind of boring. So I think he needs to say that every year because it was in no way boring. It was even extremely nerve-wracking for some teams, but not us really. So... Do we want to start with our trades or do we want to just go around the league a little bit first?
2: Well, let's do the, the league overview. I think that'd be fair to kind of just give a quick, hey, here's what happened in case you missed it type deal.
0: Yeah. So and some of them will stop on to to make a little bit more, I guess, expand a little bit more on them because some of them are a little bigger. But the ones that are not super impactful, we'll just kind of gloss over. I think one of the big winners this year was the Ottawa Senators who are going into the draft with 14 picks, I believe. Insane. And I think it's six in the first three rounds, which... Six or seven. I think it's six six or seven, but I know they have three first-round picks.
2: One of those being San Jose from the Carlson deal, correct?
0: Yeah, so they could have two picks in the top. Honestly, they're lottery picks, so they could get two picks in the top three. Which three is,
2: potentially in the top ten, depending, because the third one that they got today with the Islanders is conditional. It's only top three protected. So if the Isles somehow shit the bed and don't make the playoffs, they can, they'll have three top potentially three top ten picks this season.
0: Yeah, it's top three protected. They could. Yeah, it's it's insane. So they are one of the bigger winners. One of the earlier trades that happened today was uh, Ottawa got the 2021 fifth round pick from the Edmonton Oilers for forward Tyler Ennis. That was a uh, I'm I looked at that and I said a 2021 fifth for Ennis. I thought that was a little low, Mm -hmm. Um, but that was uh, one of the I guess it's a small ish trade. But again, that's just Ottawa stacking picks.
2: I think you can kind of look at that one as a steal, too. I mean, Tyler Ennis, he's, he's a great little role player. To get him for a fifth-round pick, for what you know that he can provide, he's fast, he can bring offense, he can play defense. That, I mean, that's a very, very generalized statement to make. I get that. But it's what you look for in most players, especially if they're going to be a depth forward. So, I mean, good on them.
0: Yeah, I think Ennis. The only thing about him, again, you're you're reaching to these players that are hitting their thirties. So Ennis has probably peaked. He had uh, thirty three points. He's had thirty three points in sixty one games so far this season, which is uh, good for no good for who I guess they're probably gonna throw him on their third line maybe in Edmonton fourth line. So thirty three points for a guy that's gonna play third or fourth line wing again. Yeah, not bad, but a fifth round pick is not, in 2021, is not a lot to give up for a guy, a, a good depth guy that you're getting in, um, yeah, yeah. in Tyler in, 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 in
2: comparison to where they're at, yeah, in regards to what they were giving up asset-wise.
0: Yeah, one of the other big winners from this trade deadline were the Carolina Hurricanes, who gave up a ton of capital, um but got a lot of really good players in return. So they traded their 2020 first-round pick to the New York Rangers in exchange for defenseman Brady Shea. Which huge um, gang. Yeah, and that came at like the deadline, like right before three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Someone tweeted that out was broke it at, at
2: like two fifty nine, I think it was. But
0: yeah, they sent someone I and I'm gonna have to go back and, and check and credit who who tweeted it out.
2: What her name was?
0: Yeah, but but she said I'm I'm pretty sure Brady Shea is going to Carolina, and it was a 2020 first round pick. Now a lot of first round picks were also thrown around, um, but not in a good fashion. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning traded their first-round pick to San Jose for forward what are they Barclay doing? Goodrow and a third-round pick.
1: Yeah, well, you know Steve Iserman ain't running that ship anymore because he wouldn't have given up a first-round pick for Barclay Goodrow.
0: I even tweeted it out. I said, Barclay Goodrow for for a first-round pick? Has Brizal been sleeping the entire time that uh, Iserman was in Tampa? I don't think he learned anything. Anything at all. Uh, Like, what did you pick up from Eisenman? Now, a lot of people will say that, Oh, they traded a first for Blake Coleman. They traded a first for Barclay Goodrow, but they're doing that because they are decent players who are cheap and still under contract next season Yeah, because they're going to
2: additional year. That's the key point of it all.
0: They're going to end up running into, like we talked about before, they're going to run into cap trouble. They've got Mm to sign Braden point in a couple more years again, and they're just going to end up hitting a cap. So they, their window, and a lot of people don't like to say that it's closing because they've still got their really good players locked up for a long time. But right. those players are getting older, and they need to control and those their players
2: cap. are signed for several more years more than everybody else.
0: Yep, and a they, high cap it, and they need to control their cap. So right. in order to get decent depth players who have term a cheap term left. You've got to trade high on it, and that's that's what they had to do. So a lot of Tampa fans are not happy today, uh, which is understandable. But it's it's the price you got to pay to get controllable contracts, I guess. Mm-hmm.
1: In terms of winners and losers at the deadline, I mean, is there a bigger winner than the Carolina Hurricanes?
0: So to follow the Brady Shea trade, and this one actually happened before the Hurricanes win again by sending a twenty twenty second round pick. And prospect forward Yanni Kukanen to the New Jersey Devils in exchange for defenseman Sammy Vatanen. Now, as long as Sammy Vatanen can stay healthy, this is a good trade. Uh, the, the Carolina Hurricanes definitely beef up on their defense. And a lot of people were saying, well, I look at Vatanen and I look at Brady Shea. And, and I don't, someone said, I don't think Carolina's defense improves very much with those two trades. And I'm not sure that's true because Brady Shea was one of the better defensemen yeah. on the current Rangers roster. And Sammy vatanen like I said, is good if he's healthy. The only problem is he's been injured. So,
1: If Barclay Goudreau gets a first-round pick, how does Brady Shea only get a first-round pick?
0: I would probably say trading from desperation. for uh, Yeah, but
1: the Rangers didn't have to move Brady Shea, though.
0: They didn't, but they figured they were figured they could pick up an asset. And I, I mean, Top a 2021, huh? yeah, it's an opportunity trade. It's yeah, kind of
2: like I, with I, what Iserman yeah. was going into with where teams were calling, for presenting him with an offer, more or less. And that he, it's something that did he have to do it? No, he made that pretty clear. Yeah, but the chance was there. I mean, you've, he's made it obvious that draft capital is extremely important to him that showed in t- Tampa Bay. And with what he was presented for Athens CU, he, it was a no-brainer for him. So that, yeah, that but t- to me, that's where the Shea thing comes into play is you're going to get offered a first-round pick, especially on a team like Carolina. Yes, they are much better. Do they likely make the playoffs? Yes. But if they don't, that first-round pick's not protected. It's a lottery pick. You've got a chance for a top-ten pick on a guy now, I mean, yes, it hurts to lose him, but that's where that's where you hope that maybe they, they fucked this up and now this turns into a, a lottery pick for me.
1: I, I understand where you're coming from. I just think that the Rangers are a lot closer contending than, than a lot of people think. I think the Rangers are, are pretty close, I mean. And Brady Shea is one of their best defensemen. I don't know why you trade your best defensemen, even if it is for a first round. I mean, if you think you're as close to contending as a lot of people think they are, and as I think they are, then why would you move your first your you know your one of your best defensemen for a first round pick that's not going to help you for at least a couple of years? I mean, unless it is a you know a, a lottery pick and it ends up being you know a top three pick or something, top five pick, but that's I, just a risky thing for me.
0: I guess it depends on how far you think your current roster can take your team yeah so if you think you've got in two or three years you're going to need to restock um making a move like trading for a first round pick now in in what is known to be a pretty good deep draft is probably a better idea than keeping brady shape because if you think you've got um a defenseman that can step up like if you look is it uh d'angelo
1: he's D'Angelo gonna really he's
0: gonna need money he's gonna need to be paid and, yep. and you need to offload a person probably dump a little money to be able to re-sign your good players yeah.
2: and Shea was making five and a quarter mil for four more years so
0: that's that's why you make that move you know you need to re-sign someone like D'Angelo you know you probably don't have money for D'Angelo and, and some of your other your other high ticket people mm. you need to move out a person and you move out the person you can get the best return for, even if it slightly harms your your roster in some way. So that's yeah, the gas
2: base is huge, cause especially for what they've got RFA wise over the next couple of years looking at cap
0: friendly. Yeah,
2: you got to figure out what the hell are they going to do with Lundquist, too? So if they trade him off, that's eight and a half mil off the books unless they retain some salary.
0: Yeah, and they're not going to be able to next. do that until the offseason. Well, yeah,
2: that's what I was getting getting to say next was either that's a draft day trade or they trade him going into the season.
0: Yeah, because uh, the other news from today was that uh, Igor Shostorkin and uh, Pavel Buchnevich were in a car accident over the weekend in Brooklyn Uh where Shostorkin ends up having, I believe it's like bruised ribs. Or something, and Was he bruised or
2: I thought he had a broken rib.
0: It's bruised or fractured. Something that's going to keep him out for an extended, bruised. an extended period of time. So yeah. Lundquist is going to have to play and and back up now instead of just being scratched. So
1: I saw three weeks. That's what I saw. That's wow. still that's
0: yeah. That's the whole next yeah. month. So uh, yeah, but
1: I mean. Georgiev and Lundqvist are both capable of still winning games for them. I mean, it's not yeah. that they really drop off very much.
0: No, but I think what what could have happened is you you may have and it might not be super likely, but you could have seen possibly a Lundqvist trade today if there there wasn't the injury to Shestorkin. Yeah. Potentially I think it could have happened. So, we're going to go through a few more of the bigger trades of the day. Uh, one of the ones that really kicked it off and I think kind of helped set the market was that the Ottawa Senators received uh, the twenty twenty first round pick, 2020 second round pick and 2022 third round pick from the New York Islanders for forward JG Paggio, which is one of the biggest overpayments I think I've seen in, in quite some time. And then Paggio like instantly signed a deal with the Islanders. So it's it's
2: funny that that turned around so quickly, like there's a couple of those that were done today. Wasn't Cousins another one?
0: Yeah, yeah. but That's uh, what I meant, yeah. So J.G. Pajot in 60 games uh, this season with the Ottawa Senators has 40 points, 24 goals, 16 assists, which is good. That's a good point total for uh, a 27-year-old center, I would say, on a pretty bad team. But mm-hmm. if you look going back, in the 2018-19 season, he only played 39 games and had 12 points. In the 2017-18 season, he played 78 games, had 29 points. His his highest total was in the 2015-16 season. He played an entire season and had 43 points. So he's almost a .5 point per game player in 2015-16, a little over, but hasn't really touched that since then. So he's a positive player. He's got 40 points, like I said, in 60 games. I just think that that is... Uh, an overpay for uh, JG Pajo
2: Yeah, he, to get the return that Gus Nyquist did, essentially, other than the top three protected picks. Well, I meant
0: Tatar.
2: I'm sorry, Tatar. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, that's for a guy that hasn't had anywhere near the careerist little t- tuna over there. That's 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 a hell of a hell of an overpay, in my opinion. To agree with you there.
0: Yeah, but that was one of the bigger trades today. Uh, We can mention some of the smaller ones. 2021 fifth-round pick for Wayne Simmons. Uh, Wayne Simmons goes to Buffalo from New Jersey. Uh, Boston and Anaheim swap forwards. Nick Ritchie for Danton Heinen. Going back to yesterday, uh, the Montreal Canadiens sent forward Ilya Kovalchuk to the Washington Capitals for their 2020 third-round pick, which, again, people freaked out. Because they're like, oh my god, we got ripped off. Uh, Kovalchuk was worth uh, at least a first round pick. It's like he's a, th- what is he, 37?
2: He's old. Yeah, he's 35 plus. He's
1: However, a, they got they, I think they could have gotten a first round pick.
0: He's a rental. Yeah. Uh, no, of, I think it
1: doesn't, doesn't matter, man. I mean, second, these, I think, would have been tops.
0: Some of, but these,
1: some of these guys that were getting first round picks, I mean, Kovalchuk's. I mean the the production he's put up with Montreal. I mean, I have to say, I mean at least the second round pick. But but look at he's a rental. About how
2: that and look at how it came out in regards to how he made it to Washington. Exactly. Bergevin asked him. Bergevin asked him where he wanted to go. If that's the case, you're more or less taking whatever. It's kind of like when we talked about this before. Brad Stewart going back out to San Jose when Detroit traded him away. It was pretty much, hey, what will you give us to help make to help this guy out?
0: So I think the bottom line comes down to, Covey uh, was not good in LA. He no, mm. he went to Montreal, uh, picked up his game a little bit, but he was still point. He's still been pointless in the past, like seven games, eight games, something like that. And uh, he's older. He's a rental. You weren't going to get a first round pick for him. But it's again, Montreal fans will overreact to a lot, just like Red Wings fans will overreact to a lot. Um, I think the last trade we're going to break uh, break into a little bit before we go over the Red Wings trades was uh, goalie Robin Leonard was sent to Vegas from Chicago and what we learned was a three-way trade with Toronto. So what initially happened was Robin Leonard was sent to Toronto. Uh, Toronto retained some of his salary and traded him for what, Ryan? Was it like a fifth-round pick? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then traded him for like a fifth-round pick to Vegas. And then... Nice.
2: You, you mean to just explain it real quick based off the cap-friendly layout? It's it's friggin' weird.
0: Yeah, it's a weird trade, but Chicago ended up getting a 2022nd and a prospect. And a goalie. Yeah, Malcolm Subban.
2: Yes. So the whole breakdown, this is per cap-friendly. From Vegas, Chicago Blackhawks acquire Malcolm Subban, Slava Demon who I have no idea who it is. Yeah. They, they have his signing rights, essentially. Uh, and a 2020 pick from Vegas. Toronto acquired from Chicago Robin Lehner's salary at $2.5 and, and a 2020 fifth-round pick from Vegas. And then the big key part of it all is that Vegas acquired Robin Lehner and only, what, 3.9 mil of his salary total on the books. I think it was because the rest of it was like it's his salary is retained. were three teams. So I they're read. Only in 3.9 while Toronto retained 2.5 and Chicago retained one six five or 8.50 or something. one six five. I don't know. His it's, money
0: is it's spread out around. over three teams.
2: It's the weirdest imagine shit I've ever seen.
1: Paycheck, imagine having your
0: paycheck from three different teams. Well, that's in why they direct different deposit now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All the different taxes and everything coming out from each yeah. city. That's the weird part. Yeah. But I didn't know that the Toronto part. piece was a part of that until I got home and pulled up Caffer and I'm looking at it, I'm like, what the hell? When did this happen?
0: Yeah. So the other part about it was then news comes out that Robin Leonard had apparently agreed to stay in Chicago for like three years at a lower salary than what he was supposed to get, really, than what he was worth. He was willing to take a pay cut. And they never sent him an offer. So that's confusing because you're going to play Corey Crawford. And Corey Crawford's <laughs> like 40. And I
2: love that you say that with like a quit I'm um, Ron Burgundy.
0: Yeah, but so Robin Leonard's a good goalie. He's He was set to be yeah, a free he agent. He said, I will take a pay cut and I will sign a three-year contract with you, Chicago Blackhawks. And Stan Bowman just goes, nope. That's okay, Robin Lehner. We're going to trade you to Vegas.
2: I mean, good for Vegas. That that works out great for them because Subban was decently reliable for them. But now to have a tandem of Robin Lehner and Marc-Andre Fleury leading into your
0: playoff rush, I mean, come on. Yeah, you've got probably the best goaltending combination in the league then right now.
2: Oh, easily. There's, there's no question about that.
0: On the other side of it, you look at, Toronto who got a fifth round pick and they made no other moves today besides to extend Jake Muzzin (laughs) with whatever magical Maple Leafs money they have floating around. If they've got like $40 million tied up in like three forwards, they gave
2: him a $1.625 million radius.
0: And with what though? And then, so what blows my mind in why Maple Leafs fans are having a terrible day is Kyle Dubas has a press conference afterwards and his quote was something along the lines of, I'm not going to bullshit you guys. I don't have a magical solution to fix this. And my response is you don't need a magical solution. You just need a solution because he he did because you're the general manager of the team. It is your job to have a solution And you're going to go out into the public and say, guys, I ain't got no magical solution to fix this really high paid roster of superstars that I have that just can't seem to win a game against a Zamboni driving emergency goalie who works for our team.
1: I think the coach that they have sucks.
0: Sheldon Keefe, you think they'd be better with Babcock?
1: No, I think they'd be better off with with somebody not Sheldon Keefe. I think that team needs... They don't need Babcock, but they need someone like Babcock. Like, I feel like having young players like that with a young coach like that is just a recipe for a disaster.
0: Do you not think that there are maybe some conflicting ego problems in that I locker room? Think
1: that's a, uh, yeah, I think that's a possibility too. I think that certainly, you know, those players have to look themselves in the mirror and say, what can I do better? Um, and, and what, you know, what can I do differently uh, to not or to avoid the same result because i mean it seems like every single uh spring we look at our you know leafs fans look at themselves in the mirror like what the fuck is going on yeah like, like you know we now you got rid of the coach you know babcock's gone you have this young sheldon keith guy and you know they started playing really good for him and now all of a sudden they the, the wheels have started to fall off of the leafs so i think They would have been better off with like a Gerard Gallant kind of coach where he's been around the league, but he's not so demanding like Babcock.
0: No, I think what that team needs is a John Tortorella coach. Yep. Because. Yeah, but
1: isn't Mike Babcock that? No, no. No. Uh, Torts is. Completely
0: different. Yeah. John Tortorella is strict and John Tortorella doesn't take bullshit. He's also fun. Mike Babcock is borderline abusive to his players. There's a difference between not accepting shit from your players and demeaning your players, and, and yeah, that's I mean, the Torello line. Tortorella
2: might have been that at that point, probably around the Vancouver, New York he, time.
1: No, he was definitely like that with the Rangers. There's no way he wasn't like that. that yeah,
2: Rangers. that's what I'm saying. But like today, and he's even come out and said it. Like he he has changed his coaching style dramatically to better understand the players that he has and to be a player's coach. While also being the type of coach that, hey, you fucked up. I'm going to tell you about it. So here's how we're going to fix it, but you're going to be better for it.
0: Yeah. So they need a coach, I think, maybe like that, just to get the egos in the room in check because you, again, once again, you lost to an emergency backup goalie <laughs> who is the Zamboni driver. Can you
2: just recover this on your
0: own second? payroll? Can you just go
2: the like, gloss over that so for the people just, that may have we somehow lost missed to that? Me driver. Yeah, go watch steve Tangle and, <laughs> so, and hear his his lfr so it's the most awesome but sad thing ever.
0: here's here's what happened and i'll go over it really quickly because i really want to get to the red wings trades uh the so james uh reimer goes down goes down in the first period with an apparent out what was it? groin injury or something i don't know what he, it was. he went down Uh, Mrazek goes in and in absolutely pure Peter Mrazek fashion goes out to the blue line to play a puck when he's got defensemen back. I watched that replay three times. There was absolutely zero reason for Mrazek to leave his crease. Zero. He gets he gets his head knocked off and he (laughs) has a concussion. And we all know, everyone would be like, oh, it should have been caused But bad hit. His helmet flew out. Yeah, we know Mrazek plays with his helmet loose so he can knock it off and stop play. He's done it several times. It's a thing Mrazek does. But he gets his head knocked off. Mrazek's got a concussion, so he's out. The surprising thing is that Carolina didn't trade for a goalie today.
2: But Yeah, because they're both out for a significant amount of time because they yep. had to recall two goalies today.
0: Yeah, so you're in the middle of the second period. And you've got to play an emergency backup goalie. Now their emergency backup goalie just so happens to be the Zamboni driver (laughs) for the. I believe the Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies. He is is, on. He he is on the Maple Leafs payroll,
2: and he also is a he's a practice goalie for the Maple Leafs as well.
0: He yeah. There's pictures of him taking warm up, and he's he went back. He was I think at Leafs practice today. The next day. The next day. Yesterday.
2: Or the other day, yeah,
0: but you you get ten <laughs> shots on him in a period and a half. He lets in two goals, so he makes eight saves. Uh, two goals
2: on his first two shots. He now
0: has half as many wins as Jimmy Howard does on the season. That's and, the saddest part. And if you you look at it, and they allowed something like fifty shots and lost six to three to the Zamboni driver backup emergency goalie for the Carolina Hurricanes who's on their payroll that's embarrassing and and like Ryan said uh we're gonna give a quick shout out to Steve Dangle if you go look at his LFR on YouTube uh it's one of the recent ones he apparently hit a pitch level higher
2: I never thought was possible higher than
0: Whitney Houston's highest octave that she's hit
2: If you don't follow him on Twitter, first of all, you're you're missing out on some amazing content. But uh, even if you're not, I mean, obviously, he's a a Toronto fan. He's he is the the type of guy you want to base your your fandom off of, if you will. It's crazy, but fantastic. He's a Leafs fan you can handle. So go follow him if you're not.
0: All right. So we've got a half an hour left and I want to go over the Red Wings traits. So do it. In in the midnight hour, it was, and I knew it was gonna happen too, because mm-hmm. I I said I tweeted something before I went to bed, like oh, there will be, a, don't worry, there will be a three a.m. trade. Well, it wasn't quite three a.m. It was like twelve fifty four or something like that, and apparently, uh, Steve Iserman and Kenny Holland were having some drinks and. <laughs> Uh, we sent Mike Green to the Edmonton Oilers for forward Kyle Brodziak in a 2020 conditional fourth. Now, that condition is if Mike Green plays in 50% of the games and the Edmonton Oilers make the conference final, uh, that fourth round pick becomes a third round pick. Mm-hmm. Which. So it's possible. Pretty yeah, possible. Because of how tight. I mean. I said today it's like Schrodinger's playoffs. It's both possible and impossible at the same time because of how (laughs) tight the race is. Right. And how anyone could win or lose on on any night. Um, Especially in that division. Yeah. So uh, Kyle Brodziak's an LTIR move. Uh, He's LTI retired is what he is. So you're essentially trading Mike Green for a fourth. That can become a third. And I think that's more than you would have got from anyone else, and more than you probably would have expected, or either probably exactly what you would have expected to get from Mike Green, that can become more than what you expected if the conditions are hit.
2: No, it's a great depth move. And I I think we kind of talked about this last week as well. Like, if you put Mike Green on a team, he (coughs) isn't having to be your top two for one and not required to pretty much try and do it all himself i mean we saw what he could do when he first came that he tried a couple years ago when we were hoping that kenny holland was going to sell high but injuries kind of derailed that for him the last couple of years as it was he on a team like edmonton he can go into that depth role he can be a power play two head and just do what he has to do and don't he's done with his whole career he's at 500 plus points for a reason so i uh, you can't really be mad about it. It's funny that Kenny Holland is the one that ended up picking him up, but it's, it's a smart play for a, a contending team.
0: Yeah. Mike green can play Mike green's game in Edmonton. That's, yes. that's the point. Mike green he's got forwards that are going to set things up for him now. And he's never really been a defensive defenseman. Mike green's always yeah. been an offensive defenseman, but when and you're that's in been part of the problem, when you're in a team like Detroit, and you're forced to play defense because no one else does, you're going to have turnovers when you're an offensive defenseman. You're going to have defensive breaks. And Mike Green is still Mike Green. And I think uh, Prashant said it on Wings for Breakfast, uh, either their last episode or the one before. Mike Green has not forgotten how to score. He's not forgotten how to pass. He's not forgotten Mm -hmm. how to get out of the zone and make good plays. He just hasn't had the opportunity to do it because of the team that he's currently on and the situation that he's in. Yeah. He should see a significant boost by moving to Edmonton where he can play his Mike Green style without having to worry about covering the rest of the team's asses for the whole game.
2: Yeah. I mean, this year is the anomaly in his stats year over year. And then last year because he was hurt. But I mean, first season he comes in 35 points in 74 games follows follows that up with 36 and 72 the next season if it wasn't for injury he probably hits 40 points again because he had 33 and 66 and then the year last season he had 26 through 43 he still has that ability to do things it's just that we suck yeah there's really no better way to put it
0: yeah it, it still comes down to mike green is is still mike green he's not Because he hit his magical age, didn't immediately fall off a cliff. And yes, he has looked bad at times, but that's because teams on a team like the Red Wings, his weaknesses can be exploited.
2: Everybody's yeah,
0: which is not easy to do on a team where people can make up for him. Now, is he a step slower? Yes, because he's older, Mm -hmm. but he's still going to put up points the way you probably would expect him to because we could pair him with a Cronwall and not have to worry about defensive lapses. But when you're pairing him uh, on nights with Trevor Daly, or so, you're pairing him on nights with with Erickson, or at, at sometimes with Chalowski, where you where you had two offensive defensemen, but then you can pick up the defensive lapses there, where you're probably not going to be able to do that as much as somewhere like Edmonton, because even their forwards are, are pretty defensively sound. So. I think the, the return on that is good. Edmonton gets a good defenseman that can help them on the power play. The Red Wings get a pick that can possibly become more than what most people thought you could get for Mike Green. So mm-hmm. I would give that. That's a, a straight across the board. That is a good trade for Iserman. That is also a good trade for Holland. So um, We Agreed. We can go on to the other, the I guess you could call it the Red Wings blockbuster trade of the day which was the Detroit Red Wings again called up Kenny Holland and said, listen, Kenny. Uh, So first they thought uh, Athens was going to go to Columbus. Oh, small. It
1: was like reportedly done too.
0: I don't think it was reportedly done, but it was reportedly being talked about.
2: And it was people like Alison Lucan from the blue jackets were reporting on this one as well. Like that's how much traction this thing had.
0: Yeah. And even who, who blew my socks off today was Mike Commodore who was yeah. right on, like, five trades and before anyone yeah, yeah, else reported them. The yeah. So uh, so we ended up sending Andreas Athanasiou to the Edmonton Oilers for a 2020 second-round pick, a 2021 second-round pick, and forward Sam Gagne, and we also threw in Ryan Kuffner. And so, zero
2: conditions on the picks. Ze-
0: yeah, which surprises me because Ken Holland is all for his conditionals. They also retained half of Green's salary,
2: which is kind of important for Edmonton in this scenario, which allowed them to take on uh, more of Athena SU. No, no retaining on Detroit's end for Athena SU. So um, I think that kind of played into the fact. And because it put Edmonton also at 50 total contracts. Was I a little disappointed in the return? I guess you could say yes. But to get no conditions like we just mentioned for the two second round picks, you get Sam Gagne, who's an unrestricted free agent after the season. He's 30 years old. He's a decent offensive forward, in my opinion, based off just watching him the last several years. Uh, When he was in Columbus, he was fantastic. He's had a decent year this year in Edmonton in a limited capacity. He's a great – he was a former, what, number six overall pick, I think it was. He was first first round round six, six overall.
0: Number six, yep.
2: So you're getting another guy. He's not quite to the level that Fabry's at right now, but Iserman's picking up these players that at one point were the cream of the crop, you could say. And is it a reclamation project? No, he's 30 years old. It's not going to be a whole lot going on, but he's a great two-way forward. He's going to give you some offensive ability. I think the key takeaway that I saw that someone mentioned today, I think it was Chump, the right-handed shot, which weird, Detroit doesn't have a whole lot of those, but he can play on the power play. He kind of fills that role that Athanasiu is leaving vacant. Does he have the speed that he has? No. But overall, it's a new, fresh start for Athanasiu. He can do with the things that he wants to do. I mean, granted, he still has to follow the system of Edmonton, but you put him on a wing with Connor McDavid. You've got two of the fastest guys in hockey on the same line, and it, it allows double a to just kind of open himself up and do what he needs to do to help the team offensively without having to worry about being a liability defensively so i think that's a it's a great scenario for him
0: yeah so there were a bunch of people that whined about this trade because
1: i saw some four odds oh facebook. boy shocker right shocker see there's not your problem just on, not even just on facebook on twitter people saying oh well you know like Ethan is this he should be a it, we we've still to see the best of Athens CU and like uh, I hate to say this but like 30 goals last year I think is the most he's ever going to score now I'll eat crow if, if he ends up scoring you know 30 goals next year with the Oilers or whatever. I think in court. Edmonton
2: he has that potential
1: okay but but here's the thing in Detroit, and this is all we know in Detroit he did not want to play a lick of defense he no. was not a center. He's not a center. He's never going to be a center. So get that out of your head. That's the first fucking thing. Second thing is he he doesn't play any defense, and he's not good enough. We've talked about this before. He's not good enough of a finisher to not play any defense. Bill Kessel is good enough to not play defense, or was good enough to not play any defense at all. Well, you've got to was, score you know, out of your mind. Back of yeah. yeah, exactly, and he does not do that. He's very one-dimensional, and that's the word that I kept using today. And people kept getting mad at me for saying he's one-dimensional. What else is he? He's not good on the power play. He's obviously not good on the penalty kill. He's. he's Oh yeah, he's not played
0: on the penalty kill.
1: He's good on the rush, and that's it. Yeah, I don't
2: think he's. Has he ever been on the penalty kill? I Uh, I
1: think him and Larkin played together on the penalty kill when they both uh, uh, when Athanasia was a rookie. Yeah, he maybe had a few shifts.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah well, I, I honestly I honestly have no idea. Yeah, he's maybe had but a few shifts. The thing is,
1: is like people, people say this like, oh, he's part of the core. Like he's part of the whole Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi. He's not. He's not. He's okay. not. I don't think he was he's for, for Holland to, either. Say it, he's closer to a Martin Firk than he is to, to a, a a part of the core.
0: So kind of mm-hmm. one of the things that came out today uh, from a Sportsnet writer So, Eric Engel from Sportsnet came out today with kind of a quote that he said was one of an interesting quotes he got last week about Athanasiu. Now, this is from someone on the Red Wings team. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly from a Red Wings player. Now, he's a Sportsnet reporter. I don't think he's going to make this up. But the quote, hopefully not. Yeah. But this quote about Athanasiu, it says these young guys come in and think it's all about the highlights. We've all talked to him to try to get him to understand how he'll be successful, but he doesn't want to listen. It's all up to him now. If I had his speed, I'd go around everywhere, but he just wants to go through giveaways going to end up minus 45. So that's a strong quote. It's true, and I've been saying this since the beginning of the season, and I get so frustrated because you will watch Athanasiou try to go through three people, and it Mm -hmm. doesn't work. 98% of the time does not work, and to do that is not worth the 2% of the time you might make it through. Right. So, especially with this team, but that's why I thought, wow, if he goes to Columbus, I mean, Torts is going to lay into him, and that might be what he needs, but— He's gonna go to Edmonton. He'll probably get a bunch of points because they'll play him on a line with McDavid or they'll play him on a line with Dreisaitl. He's a top six forward when played in the correct system.
2: But yeah, for, the, for the injuries, he's probably gonna be with at, with McDavid, which is his best case yeah. scenario.
0: What, but my quote on the whole trade was, I said, so the take on the AA trade is it is good. We would have would we have liked a first, yes, but AA mm-hmm. is known for bad contract negotiations and holding out and overvaluing himself. Plus, you get two seconds for a guy with some serious flaws to his game. And it also gives you the flexibility to move up in the draft if you need to. You can package picks, move up, because we've got three picks in the second round. So if we want to mm-hmm. move back into the first round, we, we now have the assets to do that. Uh, like I said, would you have loved to get a first round pick and a prospect for Athens CU? Of course you would. But yeah. and you're that getting was
2: the intent of Eisenman going into, into today as
0: Yeah. But you you look at you got a solid, like Ryan said, veteran solid center in Gagne, who is a UFA, but I have a feeling they might extend him for a year or two.
2: If, I think it, he's the ideal like third line center potentially for next season.
0: I think if, you need to get rid Philpola. of Philpola or you need to get rid of um, Nielsen for that to happen because you're going to have Rasmussen come in too probably. But yeah, that's true. But Gagne is a a good leader. He has put up points in the past. He can play, like you said, a two way game. So that is actually a decent piece that you're getting back. Plus you're getting two second round picks, which uh, with previous second round picks like Jared Bergeron, Jared McIsaac, Master Simone, guys like that, Anti Tuamisto, You're getting some value there in the second round, especially in a deep draft. So I am okay after initially being underwhelmed by it, uh, after I saw that Gagne was coming back and and that kind of softens the blow a little bit. I think that I'm, I'm okay with the trade and I would say it's a it's a good trade. Mm hmm. It's what you're going to get yep. for a guy who overvalues himself, apparently has attitude issues, won't listen to anyone, and has serious defensive flaws in his game. Now I wonder, the more I think about that
1: quote, I wonder if it was Bill Larkin that said that.
0: No, I. I it sounds like a, a vet. Someone yeah. someone it's... like a Trevor Daly, someone like a Justin Ablocator, someone older on the team that's been around for a while. Uh, because Lark seems to stick up for Athens CU a lot, but... It'd be Erickson? I, it could. I, I'm. It sounds like an. Now that's if it's a true quote. But someone said it would be hilarious if it was Mike Green that said it. But, uh, oh this, God. <laughs> yeah. But oh, it's. Oh it's God. It seems like it's something a veteran player would say that they've been around for a while, that they've seen what happens in the league, and that you need to take advice. And if you don't take advice, you're going to fail, or you're not going to live up to your potential. You're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So. That's my take on the Athenasiu trade. Um Iserman said that he really didn't feel like he had to hold on to him. He didn't yeah. feel like he had to do anything. So I think that's what we're gonna go into next is Iserman's press conference. And I know Ryan, you pulled some some interesting pieces out of that press yeah. conference.
2: Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of good little quotes that he had in there. And I, I think a big piece of what he said during the conference press conference should, you would hope quell a lot of the bullshit coming from fans that are pissed off about it. Like for instance, this one should make it very clear that he did this to try to make the team better in the long run. And that he said, we're not going to ma- going to move for the sake of moving and that we don't know who these picks are going to going to be. Ultimately, I believe you get as many picks as you can and increase your odds, which he has made that point obvious that that was his intent from even before the season started, that he was going to be going out there. He's going to make tr- trades to bring in picks and or prospects. But picks is how you're going to add to your team and get better. He said they wanted a first. It didn't come to fruition. But the biggest thing was, he said, quote, we were hoping to add picks and quote. And that is, he did exactly what he said he was going to do. And I think Sam Gagne is just kind of the icing on the cake for the picks that he acquired today. And now that you've got three second round picks going into this season, as you already mentioned, as well as six total in the first round this year. And then you got five or um, first three rounds. And then you got five more, I think it was going into next season's first, first three rounds. They're in a great spot. And if they win the lottery, they're in an even better spot.
0: Yeah. So, Yeah, I think the the big thing that kind of that came from that was that you just got to give them time. Like the more bullets you have, the more chances you have to hit the target. So getting multiple picks was a good thing. But I, I think the other big thing that that was pulled out from that part is that we need as a fan base. And he said he loves how the fan base is kind of rallied around the team. And, yeah. and are supporting everything, which he says we need to embrace the, the development of people like Zadina and, and Larkin and Mantha and Haranik because they are the future of the team.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, he really highlighted that point. The fans are still showing up, the fans are being loud, and they're
0: relentlessly all... wooing.
2: God damn oh, you, God. Ron. <laughs> it, it, it's true. Shit. It, we're, we're not we're not talking about that, but it, it's people are showing up. And to I just po- found looked at another quote from Nick costanica on uh NHL.com for Mizrman. All I can ask for is patience. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, if, he, if, if that's what it comes down to. I think a lot of people out there, especially in the social media side, have accepted that. There's still far too many. We need to win now. This is unacceptable. But. I think a majority of the people out there are expressing their form of patience, and that's why they have such great support. And he made the point today that you can it's a hockey market. You've got people of all ages playing. you got men, women, boys, girls all playing hockey, all love hockey in Detroit. So much and so that they're why.
0: investing money into it.
2: Exactly, and that's why they're still showing up to games, and that's all he can hope for. However, to that point, as he mentioned... You still have to put a product on the ice that they want to come see, exactly. And that is his intent with this. How he's made these trades and his acquisitions this year.
0: Yeah. So a couple other things that came from that presser. Um, I hate ninety-seven. Won the tickets. Knowledge of hockey. It is. They had had Caputo and and Rieger there today, and it
1: was awful. They don't know what they're talking about when it comes to hockey. No, they don't talk talk hockey on Facebook. They don't they, they post things on Facebook like they know exactly what they're talking about. Like just let people that cover hockey so, cover hockey So
0: the problem is is like Ryan said, they've got Caputo there and they've got Rieger there. Caputo, I think, is trapped. In some,
2: pleasure for him before.
0: I'm pretty sure he's trapped in some weird nineteen eighties Red Wings time loop where he doesn't understand any current hockey things. Like he was asking Iserman today, Well, what, are you guys thinking about picking a goalie? With your first round pick, are you guys going to – and he was, of course, he was insinuating that they should take Askarov in a top four. And I'm like, oh, my God, just get Caputo out of there, revoke his credentials, get him his walker, and get him out of the arena. Uh, the other thing – and then you bring Jeff Rieger there. And Rieger has maybe a little bit more knowledge, but then Rieger doesn't ask anything about the trade deadline or the rebuild. He's like, hey, do you think they're going to do you think they're going to retire Fedorov's number? And And Iserman's like, are you kidding me? He's he was basically like, that's not my decision. That's up to the Illiches. He's like, like
2: what he said there. Yeah,
0: he's like, I think there will be heavy consideration, but but that's not some. that's not a why why you can ask that question on any day any interview you have with him today is about the deadline in the future for the team and how you think you did and you ask are you going to take a goalie with the top four pick and to which Eiserman's basically like uh we probably need to draft goalies later on because any goalie picked in any round can have awesome development and you ask if they're going to retire Fedorov's number. Like, don't even, you you just know, shut it down. Don't even bother talking about hockey. What,
1: I'll tell you what. You know what I take out of that, that whole press conference? I've talked about this before. He is so hard to get anything out of him. The, uh, Steve Eisman is preaching patience, but there's there's not really much else there that he's saying other than facts. It's mostly facts. And then in, in terms of, you know, reading in between the lines, there's not much there because it, it's it's hard to read in between the lines. Yeah. It's not giving you much to read in between the lines. Like, for example, Ken Holland would say something out of one side of his mouth and then, you know, he would do a, a, an entirely different thing where, like, I don't know, it's just like Eisenman, I like where what he does. He kind of just kind of stays the course and then eventually it not now, but eventually you're just going to get a big bomb from him, or he makes a big trade, or or he makes a few, you know, subtle pickups, and, you know, right now it's more of an observing kind of season, we've talked about this before at Nauseam, um, this, this season is more of an observing kind of thing, and, and you're not getting much out of him, and I don't think you're going to get much out of them even even when the wings are contending again, I just think he's very tight-lipped.
0: Yeah, it's and, and he also lies a lot um, because he doesn't have to tell anyone anything like they asked yeah. him. They asked him about uh, like what what's going to happen going forward with with the guys or, or do you have what your plans He's like, well, I kind of want to discuss. I would discuss that with them. Like, are you going to bring up a cider or a Valeno or anything like that? Like, what are the plans? He's like, well, I think I'd rather I discuss that. that with them first than tell you guys.
2: Yeah, he's he, basically how he said it was I want to, I would rather talk to these guys than have them find out through you how he said it. Yeah. And it was Warner's like, yes, thank you so much for saying that.
0: One of his other uh, quotes was, it is unfair to judge Jeff Blaschel based on our team's record, yep. which that is a true statement. Because,
2: how many times have we actually said that, even though we've well, been back and we've on the roller coaster for them this year?
0: Now, he didn't say it's unfair to judge Jeff Blaschel based on the performance of the team. He said it is unfair to judge Jeff Blaschel based on the team's record. Right. So, the team, of course, could have lost five to four and shown better effort, or the team could have lost three to one instead of eight to two. You're not judging Blash on the record, but you can judge him on some of what's happening on the ice. Right. So there's that. Uh, he also said he has no reason to get rid of Blash, so it kind of made it sound like we we've got him till the end of the year, and we might possibly have him next year. So yeah,
2: I, a lot of the things that he said too, uh, I think was a big takeaway is that he's making no decisions on anyone right now. He's analyzing, reviewing seeing how the fi- the season finishes out. And then at the close of the season, because I think somebody asked about what he's planning on doing with all the RFAs. like, yeah, he said he's going to have
0: discussions at the end of the season.
2: Yeah. He's like, I'll start thinking about that now, but I'm in no hurry to make a decision. And I probably still won't until after the season's over with And regard. And when I say what I mean by that is what is he going to do with their contracts? How are these guys going to get paid? Yeah. There's no t- extension talk. It- at this moment or anything imminent, at least per what he was saying.
0: Yeah. And the other couple things that were pulled out of there, he, one of them is that he wants to follow kind of the Colorado path to rebuilding, how they got people like uh, McKinnon and Kale McCarr and how they're kind of able to come back pretty quickly from their terrible season to be a good Stanley cup contending team. Fast by by drafting well and uh, obtaining right. picks and getting good players. Did yeah. he
1: specifically say the Avalanche?
0: Yeah, yeah. He
2: brought up the he brought up how competitive both teams were, uh, in into the late nineties, early 2000s Because Detroit had the Six, and Zetterbergs, they're able to maintain that while Colorado fell off. But then you look at what they've got now. They've had a lot of draft picks, a lot of high draft picks. They had a McKinnon. Got Kalmacher, they, they got Cal They got Car uh, uh, Rantanen. Yeah, guys like that through the draft, which he again emphasized in the quote after he said that. And I think this is what kind of reinforces everything that he said today is if we stick with it, we'll get it back.
0: And he said too that because they asked him, how long do you think the rebuilds going to be? He's like, I can't tell you if it's going to be two years or three why years or they, five years. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Why do people keep asking that? It's, why, why is that a question? Because like a, you have to ask Steve Eisenman, like it, it's going to take as long as it takes. And you know what? When, when, it, when you finally are good again and the games are important at Little Caesars Arena and all that, you're going to be happy. So just be patient. Why do we have to sit there and ask the man that's in charge how long the rebuild is going to take? Who knows how long it's going to take? Yeah. It's going to take as long as it
0: takes. They're trying to glean as much information as they can from him to see if he maybe has a timeline that he wants to stick himself to. But he really t- today said he didn't. Now, what we thought is it might be like a three-year timeline based on the Nemeth contract and the Philpola contract and some other moves. But he, he basically said today, I don't have a timeline. I don't know how long this is going to take.
2: It, it, it can be two to three years depending on how those draft picks play out.
0: Yeah, it's like there's a-,
2: a lot of guys in the system and getting ready to make their way over to Grand Rapids. Hopefully in the next year or two, <laughs> like your McIsaac's Berggren's Tumisto, Misto and, and, and the sort. There's the guys that are currently in Grand Rapids that we always talk about with uh, one's already been up with Lindstrom right now. Uh, you got Heronics in the roster. Now you have Valino, Rasmussen, guys like that mm-hmm. making their case to be in Detroit. So the potential's there. It's just whether or not they can take that individual step. Which was again something that Iserman reiterated today.
0: Yeah, and we've said too, like it's it's going to take time, but we could be a wild card bubble team in two seasons, right on the cusp. Yeah, and then we could be pushing for a cup in in five to seven, d- depending on how it goes. But it's just it, you've got to have. They, they patience. still need that top pick, though. They yeah. they need a top three. We need two, and we can get that this season and next season. So the last thing that I wanted to pull out of that Iserman. Um, press conference before we go on to the last little bit of Red New- or Red Wings news and close out, is uh, looks like we're going to get our captain next season. So mm-hmm. they asked him, uh, what is the the deal with the captaincy? Do we expect to have a captain? He says that that is the plan. So it looks like uh, our own, uh, and, and we're all pretty much in agreement that Dylan Larkin is going to be the captain. And again, I'm fighting the endless battle of
1: what is it what is up with <laughs> morons on facebook so what is up with, can, can i ask you guys something what is up with these morons on facebook they're like oh Dylan larkin doesn't fight so yeah he, the captain, no Dylan today
2: I'm not on the so facebook group so i can so tell you the captain he is
0: the best player on the fuck today i got today i got a, a few interesting ones oh, um God. we're going to make Lafreniere captain I got that he has, one. He has to be on the team first. I okay. got, I got. Um, Glenn Denning is going to be oh captain. God. I, oh God. I got. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is better than Larkin, and Larkin is nothing more than a sixty-point player. I got that one, and that Larkin makes too many blind drop passes to no one to be captain. What? what? Yeah, that's what I got today. To which I then logged off social media.
2: So, uh, do I give too much credit to, to people?
0: <laughs> it's, uh, I, I feel like it's a lot of people over the age of 40. Okay, that's yeah, what I, I that find. It? It's a Not lot of over 40s. 40s, it's people that some might call boomers, too. Uh, the boomers like to have that, um, kind of response. In Larkin's <laughs> too immature to be captain, he needs to stop crying about stuff. Oh, oh my god, yeah, uh, but that's. And and everyone know everyone and their mother knows that Dylan Larkin's going to be captain. All the analysts know it. All the reporters know it. Mickey's said it. Ken Daniels has said it. Uh, from top to bottom of the Red Wings broadcast has said Dylan Larkin's going to be your captain. And it's pretty obvious because he's been groomed for it and he's shown that he can do it. And all the players listen to him. Robbie Fabry, his first like two weeks with the team, came out and said, "Yeah, Lark's in the room. He's there. He's the voice in the room. We all listen to him." He tells us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And, and we go out, we play the game and we're, we win because Larkin makes us win when we win. So that's it's going to happen. And it's apparently going to happen next year. But the last piece of news is not trade related. But the Red Wings picked up uh, left wing Dimitro Timishov on waivers from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Another L. <laughs> yeah, so uh Timoshoff, the, the Maple Leafs fans were kind of upset losing him. And it looks like he's going to be, now he's been pretty average in the NHL. It looks like he could grade out to be a mid-six forward, depending on how he does. He's a fifth-round draft pick from 2015. For the Marlies last season in 72 games, he had 49 points, which is good. That's a good AHL season. Uh, in 39 games this season with the Leafs, he has 9 points, but he is only averaging 8 minutes a night with the Leafs, and mm-hmm. he should be able to get at least, I would say, 12 uh, minutes a night with the Wings. So you can insert Timoshov. I think Iserman said that they're having some visa issues with him, so it's going to take a little longer.
2: Yeah, it might take a few extra days, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, but I think you could give Timoshev, uh Athanasius minutes fit him into a middle six role and, and give him 12 minutes a night and see how he does. Mm-hmm. It's a no, again, it's a no risk, high, possibly high reward move. Like, like picking up Perlini or picking up Ernie for nothing or picking up Fabry for De La Rose. It's a move like that. He's 23 years old. And, and if he pays off, he pays off. If he doesn't, you let him go.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a no, no risk move. It's kind of like what he's, I mean, kind of to beat the dead horse, what Iserman's pretty much done this entire season. So, you know, they, they just picked him up. I think the other small one they got was what Cody Goluboff from Ottawa as well. Yeah. And the other day. Yeah. So with the trade today, you know, that he's going to slot in sounds like from his presser today that he's supposed to be into Detroit tonight.
0: Probably so playing he, tomorrow.
2: Yeah. He's expected to play the next game. So there's your depth defenseman move, but it, he also made the point that they're probably still going to re, be recalling someone. Uh, from At the defensive end So you'll probably see a lash off I would assume But I mean I don't know a whole lot about Timashov, Just from what I've read today you, you can't really be mad about it He is a potential offensive threat Which they don't have much as it is So anything is great So really with acquiring Bringing him in And then with the addition of Gagne I think it's essentially a win Offensively So it, it's just a matter of waiting and see what happens
1: if and when Zadina comes back he can just take over after spot and then you know Timoshov and, and and Gagne probably slot into the lineup I mean I don't know who you take out of the lineup this I mean obviously after the gone but who do you take out of the lineup to get Timoshov in there
0: uh so w- what I would say yeah, Adlocator yeah you yeah, can scratch not Abby do that, they not do they'll that, scratch Adlocator you they think? scratched him earlier this year. They scratched him last season.
1: I, I yeah, I mean, I, I get that, but I mean it feels like they're not going. They know, maybe, they
0: can maybe. scratch Perlini. Perlini's been scratched several oh, nights. True. They that's can scratch true. Christopher N. He's been scratched. But I think Perlini's
1: the starting to come on a little bit, I think.
0: Uh, he's I think all season he's had pretty good control. He just no no lucky breaks, goals weren't going in. And that's the thing. He's got a shot. He's a goal scorer. He can shoot, but he's got to be set up well. And he just got no one to set him up. But I think with Timishoff, you're looking at uh, he's listed as a left wing. And he's an RFA at the end of this season. And Another one. <laughs> yeah. So he's 23. Adam Ernie's coming up as an RFA at 24. I think I have no reason not to believe that Timoshev might be a better player than Adam Ernie that he might be a better player than Perlini. There's a lot of choices to make now with the roster. So you're looking at Timoshev is five 5'10", 192 pounds, so slightly shorter, a little lighter. But if he can move and, and he can score and he can put in more than three goals in his 18 games or whatever's left and beat mm-hmm. out Adam Ernie, I mean, you signed Timoshev instead of Ernie. Same thing with Perlini. Yeah. So...
2: Yeah, Iserman that's has what that roster flexibility yeah. and the
0: patience. Iserman has stocked himself with opportunities. That's what he stocked himself with. So, and trade bait. Yeah, exactly. And and you could move someone like Darren Helm at at the trade table or at the draft table. You could move mm-hmm. someone like a Luke Glenn Denning at the draft table, or maybe a Philpula, and you can make room for for someone like a a, a Gagne if that's someone you want to extend. Or you can make room to have all of Ernie Timishov and Perlini on the roster if you want to. But you've got you've got room to work with. Uh, you've got trades you can make later on. You've got roster flexibility in the form of a million and a half RFAs. Mm-hmm. So uh, and you've got a ton of cap space freeing up. And,
2: and a lot of young guys vying for a roster spot from Grand Rapids.
0: Yeah. So we're kind of doing the complete 180 of the Ken Holland setup where Ken Holland had us in the dumpster with one of the highest caps in the entire league. Uh, Iserman's going to have us in the dumpster, but we're going to have bargain bin prices because we've got Gala Buff is a UFA at the end of this season. Mm. And right now he's just a filler and And you're going to have uh, next season. You're going to have Lindstrom in full time.
2: Yep. Most most likely. And, and
0: he's cheap. You're getting Potentially rid
2: of Essentially Cider, depending on how things go there.
0: You're gonna have Cider in and he's cheap. He's on an entry level contract. You you're gone with Erickson's four point two five million. You're gone with Daly's three point one six million. You've got Greens Nemeth is already gone. I'm fine paying going, Nemeth three mil. Going back to the whole
1: uh when the rebuild is gonna be complete or when they're gonna be able to contend, I I'll just gauge it, you know, kinda by the what the New York Rangers did. If you can get to the spot that the New York Rangers are in uh, in two years, so not next year, but the year after, if you can be one of those teams that's, you know, eight, seven, eight points out of the trade deadline, um, out, of, out of the playoff at the trade deadline, or even, even, even a little bit closer, you know, three, four points out of the trade, out of the playoffs at the trade deadline. You know, you can't ask for anything more than that, especially two years away. I mean, look at how bad they are right now. They're going to set the record for being the worst team in franchise history. So even if you have 20 more points next year, you could still end up being the worst team in the league and end up with, you know, a top three pick. And then the year after, you can end up being one of those middle-of-the-road teams where that doesn't really hurt you as much as it as it would right now. I th- middle the road team.
0: I think if in three to four years you can be what Colorado is now, at the cap, the cap Colorado has now.
2: Their next two drafts better be fucking top three each.
0: Well, yours yours this season is top four, and we're projecting bottom five in the league next season, and that's another possible top four pick so it's it's not hard but Iserman can also make some trades and and i think you can make it happen especially if you package picks because we've got um we've got two we've got three second rounders this season uh two third rounders so you could package and move back up into the first round we've got in not counting next year's trade deadline we've got two second rounders already next year and two third rounders so there's moves to be made, and I think if in three to four seasons you can be that that Colorado Avalanche-type team with the, the cap flexibility that Colorado has, which is what it sounds like Iserman is going for, I think we're we're right on track to to hit that really contending in five to seven seasons. Well, they sure oh, have I a ton so. of
1: flexibility. They sure have put themselves in a really good situation and spot right now where um, – you know, this, this offseason here, I mean, I don't think they're going to spend a ton, but if a guy like Torg is available and, and you know, he, he ends up getting away from Boston, the Wings can sign him and still have a ton of fucking cap space. And so that, that's the situation you kind of put yourself in where you can start acquiring talent to make yourself not the worst team in the league. Because, I mean, obviously getting Krug, still probably you still probably one of the worst teams in the league. But, I mean, think about it. You get the Kaiser back as well. So that in itself, you'll be a lot more sound defensively. Not that Krug is great defensively, but you'll score more on the power play. You, the team will start to take a little bit of shape, especially if you call up a guy like Sider and you call up a guy like Zadina for a full year. And and Valeno, you know, maybe we'll get a a cup of coffee at the NHL. Like the talent will be night and day compared to this year.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens going forward. But I think with with the moves Iserman has made and what he said in his press conference or really we're getting set up for an interesting. He even said that the team is going to look a lot different next year so there's yeah. there will be more to come but I want to get your guys' final thoughts before we sign off for tonight
1: well I mean there's not really a lot to say I mean today was uh, you know just another stepping stone in the rebuild and and with every with every trade and every you know asset that they they get in the door and they, you know players that they ship out you know they, they start putting more bricks to that to that eventual wall that they're trying to build here just be patient I mean be be exactly what Steve Eiserman said. Be patient um, and, and just kind of go from there. Uh, start looking forward to the draft and, and look at the prospects and, and all that. That's where I would say. Other than that, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Dog 91
2: Yeah, I'll kind of just go back to things we already said, kind of what Tyler just reiterated again, is pay attention to what Eiserman said tonight or this afternoon, I should say. All I can ask for is patience. I don't know what else to say. I know that we get on here and get on our high horse because, well, that's what we do. We're assholes on where they have a, a random social media platform. We're
0: three assholes with a podcast.
2: Yeah. That's my favorite quote. We still, tr- I think we do a, a pretty decent job of saying, just see what happens. It'll, it'll play it, play itself out. Be patient. We bitch a lot, but Eiserman summed it up nicely. Maybe it sounds like I'm going the Homer route and, sucking the teat right now from him but there's nothing else we can do the team is what they are we we've accepted that we just hope that the guys that like lark and mantha they continue to get better bertuzzi like the way that they are and just enjoy it the season's almost over we're still planning to do game, go to games yeah mercifully over but we're still making plans right now all of us to be at the the, the wings season finale so it's like the fans are still showing up. People are still passionate. That's why we do it. So just enjoy it. That's my, I guess, trade deadline final thoughts. But Twitter, RD Ryan 33, and so that's all I got.
0: So I'm going to end with uh, the, a little bit of something that happened today. So I was started watching the Eiserman press conference, and I was at work, so the volume was rather low on my computer, and I couldn't really hear. And I thought I heard Iserman say, AA was emotionally demanding and that's not what he said um but i i tweeted out did i just call AA emotionally demanding oh. my volume is rather low <laughs> and then our good old friend uh darren mccarty quoted it on twitter and he said i'll, oh, okay. I'll confirm and i didn't even see the interview bro so uh there is <laughs> AA a has yeah, fantastic. yeah AA has that air about him to pretty much everyone and i mean dmac who who is still in the room with those guys and, and doing a lot of like mentoring kind of stuff um, knows that AA has some, some issues, but that was pretty funny. And me and Ryan actually talked pretty extensively to Darren McCarty. We got interviewed by him at toast to hockey town. So uh, that'll be coming. Yeah, that, that'll that be fantastic. Yeah. That'll be out at some point. Uh, we're also going to hook up with D max uh, production crew and get on an episode uh, probably around playoff time. Uh, get on an episode of the Grind Time podcast, but shout out to DMAC—he's always awesome to us online. But you can follow me online uh, at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. If you go to Redbubble dot dot com, you will find our merch shop where all the money helps support our podcast. Uh, We also like to give a shout-out to Founders, who is the official beer of the Grindline podcast, and to Howie's Hockey Tape, where if you use the promo code GRINDLINE, you get 10% off of your online order. Uh, We also have a pretty cool promo with Bring Hockey Back. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE on their website, you will get 12% off your purchase, and they're coming out with new stuff all the time. So it's not hard to find something there. Mm -hmm. Um, But that will about do it for us tonight. So for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.